Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Mann. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. How are you? I hope you're well. Thanks for joining us. We are in part two of the big marriage uh, seminar thing that I'm doing here. <laughs> series. It's a marriage series. Any good, listen to me, man. Any good spiritual director is going to have a marriage thing. Okay, so that's how you can separate the good from the bad. All right. Next spiritual director you see, pin him up against the wall. Pin her up against the wall. Do you have a marriage thing, man? Because you need one. Um, I love working with couples. There's no doubt. In my practice, as I fold my glasses and you hear that, I love working with couples. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love the exposure that happens when couples not only face themselves, um, but faced one another, face one another in opposition and expectation as they learn to love, as they learn to be married. It's one of my favorite and probably most gratifying things that I do. So uh, if you're out there and you need a little uh, uh, with your marriage and you're looking for a guy um, um, to help, uh, you can hit me, jrman.com, jr at jrman.com. The numbers and all the appropriate ats are on the big websites, and uh, I'd be more than happy. And also, before we get nutty, if you're getting married and you're looking for that, you know, pre-marriage um, series or just a little pre-marriage hit, you know, going into the marriage, kind of the discovery of the two of you going in. I also do that. I do a four-week deal, uh, and there's several couples that I've taken through my little four-week thing that um, I, I, I just, it's, again, it's very, very gratifying to watch people kind of come alive and understand their spouses pre-marriage through through these things. So just just hit me up if you're getting married and we can uh, and we can take care of that. Part one of this bad boy last week, we dealt with how to be on the same page and how to deal with your fear. Uh, if you haven't uh, heard part one, stop this, man. Go listen to that first because that's going to be so much better than anything I do today. I'm just kidding. Part two today, learning to love and learning to be married. Learning to love and learning to be married. Next week, we're doing... <laughs> you won't want to show up next week. Next week, uh, Diane is going to join me, my wife of 26 years. We're going to talk about opposition and oppression and expectations. <laughs> right? Who the hell's going to look forward to that? Um, you can hear my wife talk about all the ways I've oppressed her <laughs> or opposed her. Uh, and certainly you can hear all my whack-a-ball uh, expectations that I put on the marriage. But uh, we're going to be talking about that because those are two big things, frankly. All right, today, learning to love, learning to be married. Uh, with everything that I said, I just want you to know you can go to you can go to Amazon or any bookstore and find five thousand books on on marriage, or you can just Google "good practices to be married" and you'll find them. <laughs> you'll find a whole litany of shit on the internet and at the big boyish bookstore. I am a super practical guy, so in my spiritual direction practice, and and I don't mean practice like practice like people are coming and going. Like as a spiritual director, I have a spiritual practice in spiritual direction. And in that, one of the things that I quantify um, with people is that I'm super practical. Like, I want to know stuff. I don't want an esoteric practice. I don't want to be sitting in the middle of the woods with my legs crossed and my hands, you know, thumb to middle finger with incense burning in front of me, hoping that something happens. (laughs) That's not me. I like doing that. Don't get me wrong. I love my stillness. I love my silence, particularly in the woods. But I'm looking for the, hey, what do you do? When Jesus says, love your enemies, I, I'm the guy that raises the hand in the back and says, well, that's, that's great, but how do you do that? Because I don't like my enemies. And Jesus 
you know, asks us, ask, asks us. You know, when Jesus gives us the Beatitudes in Matthew 4, 5, 6, uh, there's a lot of stuff you want to know why. And if you go deep, particularly if you go deep in the scriptures, right, or particularly if you just, as an act of contemplation, sit with some of those scriptures or sit with your everyday life, you're going to get the practicality. Like letting go, for the record, like when you say, okay, Jerry, how do you let go? And I know you say it like that. Um, I would say letting go is a is a real act of learning to not only love yourself, but then to have the humility and humbleness that comes along with understanding your limitations as well as your strengths. That's letting go. Like letting go into that stuff. That's what letting. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like you take the the edge off your fear and you take the edge off your ego, and you let a greater a greater power come in and snap your life back into some kind of matriculating understanding. Like, I don't know, God, (laughs) stuff like that. So this is practicality stuff. I'm doing practicality. I've been married 26 years and I'm doing practicality stuff. So when I say learning to love, we're going to learn how to love. I want you to know that that's our job. That's our job. There's a guy, Paul, in the Bible who says what we're really doing is transformation. And we're doing that as we learn to love right? He also says Christ is the greatest thing in us. And when he says that, we're really talking about the essence of being alive, right? New life, new eyeballs, new ears. Uh, Jesus says it as born again, right? But, you know, again, Christians do a real shit job at helping you in, 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 into what that means because we usually fashion born again as behavioral structures and behavioral nonsense. If you don't behave a certain way, you're screwed. That's not it. You know, we're looking for a new consciousness. This is what Paul says. We're looking for consciousness, y'all, awareness. So when we're learning to love, we're talking about two things in consciousness. How do we receive love and how do we give love? So I'll ask you right away, how do you receive love? Now, there's, and we're talking about marriage. Now, there's two ways you can take that sentence. One is how it's coming at you. Like, what are you seeing people doing as they're giving it to you? And then how do you take it in? Do you stop the flow? Do you limit the flow? Do you ignore the flow of love coming into you? Do you welcome it? Right? Do you get uncomfortable when people are leaning in loving you? Because I know the people, man, that get uncomfortable. Believe me, I'll name you too. Watch out. So <laughs> not that I not that I do that, of course not. Not that I let humor <laughs> block the flow of love. But that's my point, right? My point is, is a lot sometimes when I receive love, I actually draw humor into it because I'm just so damn uncomfortable because I'm just so not used to staying open and allowing love into my life. And you've heard me say this before that learning to love is the greatest thing that we'll probably do in our life with our life is learn to love and really physically, intentionally, mentally, spiritually hold that premise open. So, how do you receive love? You need to answer that. How do you receive love from your spouse? How are you seeing love being given to you? And then how are you taking it in? And this, again, requires self-examination, right? So, like, if your spouse is, like, saying to you, like, hey, I have a hard time talking to you, or you don't share your feelings, like, I want you to consider how you're receiving that love. I want you to consider that. Because it could be just as easy as you just kind of deciding at some level that you're going to listen greater right? And share more. And again, those those are practicalities. How do you give love? How do you give love? Second one's, how do you give the love? How do you do that? How are you giving love? Most of us can answer like, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I early on in the marriage, early on in the marriage, man, I was a big poem writer. I know, right? Jared wrote poems. Yeah, I wrote a ton of poems. Um, 
maybe Di will share one with us in next week when she joins us, and I'll ask her. Um, but I was a big poem writer, and 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 I was expressing myself through poetry because it just moved me. Um, and I express myself differently now. Twenty six years later, uh, it, it looks like a, a crap ton of talking now. For the record, like I think the longer that we stay married, the way that I'm giving love is by really allowing the talking to happen between the two of us. A, being a great listener is a definite way to give love. Being a great talker as that listening is happening, as you communicate, is definitely giving love. Allowing my wife time, allowing my wife's passion, allowing my life, my wife's thoughts to be very fertile and rich in the marriage um, is definitely giving love. I mean, there's there, there's a bunch of different ways. You know, allowing her own spiritual evolution, if you will. And when I say allowing, it's not me as head of household with the sword in my hand going, I... I will forbid you if you... No, that, that's not it. Allowing means that I am open. I'm open to making sure that I am serving. Open to know that I am serving. So when I say allowance, because I know that word get, can get people crazy. Allowing means I'm open. I'm simply open to serve. That's how I'm giving love. That's how I'm giving love. And there's, and there's a bunch of other reasons... A bunch of other things there too. So I'm I'm just saying, like again, this isn't the this isn't the concreted roadmap. This is like inspiring you to dig a little bit deeper in your marriage. Okay, now I want you to hold something against how you love, how you receive, and how you give love, which is a book in the Bible called Corinthians. So there's there's a there's a First Corinthians, there's a Second Corinthians. These are letters written by a guy named Paul a long time ago to Corinth, the church, the folks of Corinth that he was dealing with, that he was hanging with. And in 1 Corinthians, one of the letters that he wrote, in uh, chapter 13, there is a literal what is love. And it is, for me, a great thing to pin onto your desk, tattoo onto your face. Uh, the, the practicality is to, to, to take in what is love. And, and in it... Um, in this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, is just a wonderful way. Love is patient. Love is You've heard this at, at the marriages, right? You've heard this at, at the weddings. And, and for the record, this isn't far away from any other wisdom tradition. Not from the Jews, not from the Muslims, not from the Hindus, not from the Buddhists. It's, it's not far away from anybody. Every wisdom tradition on the planet comes, comes into this and says, yeah, that's good stuff. That's truth there. There's truth over here, too. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Kanye should wrap this. This is great shit. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I responded like a child. When I become a man, I put childish ways behind me. Um, and it goes on and on and on. And love never fails. So listen to me. I want you to hold that verse up against how you are moving in the marriage, in each circumstance, in each conversation, in each argument, in each opposition, in your expectations. Did I say fear? Like I said, fear, right? I want you to hold that. I want you to hold that up against. And as you march through your marriage, check in with that first, man, and be as honest as you can. In fact, I'd pull that first out with your spouse every now and then too. What are you, crazy? No, I'm not. 
I'm just telling you, this is a great way to take a guided piece of wisdom from a scripture that is just makes sense. This 1 Corinthians verse doesn't preload itself with any stupid controversy. It's just plain Jane. This is what it is, and you can hold it up against your, against your own movements in the marriage. It's just good, man. Okay, so the practicality. Keep yourself vulnerable. So this is, remember what I'm talking about. Learning to love, give, receive. Receive, give. Practicality. Keep yourself vulnerable in your marriage. Keeping yourself vulnerable in your marriage, which means if you hold that verse up that we just talked about in your marriage, you're going to have a reason to talk. Because there's been plenty of times, if I go back on this, it, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not rude. Believe me, I've been rude in the marriage. It is not self-seeking. Believe me, I've been self-seeking in the marriage. It is not easily angered. Oh, believe me, I've been angry in the marriage. It keeps no records of wrong. How many times have you point out the wrongs of your spouse? <laughs> Come on. Come on. How many you... How many you talk? How many point back into the marriage like that? But that's what I'm talking about. When you keep yourself vulnerable and open, that's the practicality. To be able to tell on yourself as you hold that verse up against your marriage or up against the movement of your marriage. And this is just one verse. There's a billion other verses about love in the Bible for the record. A gazillion. Okay? You can hold me to it. If I was writing a paper, a dissertation, theologically, I would say gazillion. So keep yourself open, vulnerable. Open and vulnerable. Are you allowing your spouse to love you at the end of the day? Are you allowing that? Are you allowing how? And what I mean is, how does your spouse love you? Have you ever considered that? Have you ever considered that? How? Think about it right now. Stop the car. How does your spouse love you? Right? Your spouse has a way in which she, he moves in the marriage to you. Do you recognize it? And you can hold it up against the verse, too, if you want. Oh, I don't want to suggest that. I suggest you hold the verse up to you before you hold it up to somebody else. Are you allowing your spouse to love you? Meaning, what I just said, letting your spouse love you the way he, she loves you. And then, who teaches you love? Who teaches you love? Where are you getting your classes on love? Right? Is it a pastor? Is it a book? Is it a podcast? Is it God himself, herself? Is it, what is it? Is it another couple? Is it a mom? Is it a dad? Is it a friend? Is it a mentor? Is it a spiritual? Who is helping you and teaching you love? Because this is a thing. Since I was a teenager, I have had mentorship and spiritual direction in my life. Thank God. Thank God. And there was a point in my in my life where I, there was a, a, a good little chunk of maybe, I don't know, I would probably reflect this better than me, but I would say probably five, six years where I did not have mentorship or spiritual direction in my life. And I needed it. <laughs> That's all there is to it. But I thank God, man, that I was taught by some really great, strong individuals, both men and women. For all you nutbag evangelicals out there that don't think women have anything to do with the gospels, what's wrong with you? Smack you in the face. Both men and women um, have given me good directives and, and thoughts on, on love. So who teaches you love is my last point in, in that how do you learn to love. Remember, we're talking about receiving and giving. All right, let's move into, uh, and again, these podcasts are 30 minutes, man. So I'm just giving you the juice and then we move on. Do you have anything to think about yet? Are you thinking about stuff yet? Okay, good. Um, uh, how do we love? So how do we love? 
how do spouses like like you think about your spouse in the marriage like how do we how do we like I think about die like how do we love are you able to communicate that kind of love outside the marriage I think that's another good one are you is, is the marriage itself loving outside of itself you know a good expression of that would be like any kind of community involvement obviously children uh, you know obviously this idea of mentorship you know Remember what I said, who teaches, who teaches us, who teaches us, friends, mentors, community, pastors, rabbis, other couples, and how do we continue to learn to love? How do we continue to learn to love? You keep your side of the street clear is the first big practical. Keep your side of the street clear, meaning if you take that First Corinthians verse and you hold it up to your side of the street, I want you to get to sweeping because if you're angry, if you're proud, if you're, if you're allowing if you're allowing crap into the marriage subsequent to what is love or the good receiving or healthy giving of love, you, we need to clear that crap out. So if you continue to learn to love, you're going to keep your side of the street. So stop pointing at your spouse and point back to you. Look in the mirror first before you go seeking out your spouse is basically what I'm saying. Less fault finding, less blame gaming. I did a podcast not too long ago about blame gaming. You go listen to that right now. The fault finding and the blame gaming is responsible for so much strife in a marriage because it's so easy. It is such an easy, low-hanging fruit to pick. She's got this going on. She does that. She says this. He does that. He blah, 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 blue. And then I'm like, back to your side of the street, yo. That's how you talk when you're doing a podcast. Does the marriage have love goals? Does the marriage have love goals? What kind of action does love produce in your marriage? Love should produce some action for the record. I don't know, like kids, right? Right? I'm not saying go have kids. I'm saying what kind of love, what kind of produce, production, life in love are you producing? And again, this can look like community involvement. Obviously, it can look like children. It, it can look like good mentorship. It can look like, you know, you just being a rock star at your church. It could look like you being a rock star at your job, a rock star in your passion. Uh, it can look like a rock star faith between the two of you. But I want the marriage to have some kind of love goal. What's the love goal? Like I say, most people are going to send around children, right? We're going to have kids one day. We're going to build a family. We're going to build a family. We're going we're gonna to take care of our family. We're going to take care of our community. Like you, I mean, we hear these things, right? These are practicals. But I want you guys to talk about it. I want the marriage to turn to itself, spouse to spouse, and go, hey, man, what's our love creating here? Um, and then does love foster more love? Does the love between you and spouse foster more love? Does it? Fo- is it? Is it just simply bacon in the oven and ding, and look, more love? And, and, and you know this, man. I mean, Jesus got that great thing like you'll know them by their love, right? Because there's something different going on. Because there's, there's, an, there's an action going on in people's lives beyond just a self-centered, focused, bullshit way of living that says me, 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 I, I, I. That's how you know that you're fostering more than love. When the eyes start to eliminate themselves and the we's start to populate in, in and around the marriage. For us, it was adoption. We couldn't have kids. We can do our infertility problems later, um, but we couldn't have kids. And so our, our love between us was very, very focused on making sure that we 
um, I'm making damn sure, man, that, that our love was, was, was going to grow bigger than just die and I, because it is bigger than die and I, it is much bigger than that. And it turned into three kids all at once. <laughs> I mean, what? It's crazy. I don't listen. If you're, if you're in the middle of adopting and I know some of you are, and you know, I know you're listening and your ears are burning right now. Keep, keep going. <laughs> don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. Adopt 50 kids for crying out loud. Okay, we're going to move on to learning to be married, learning to be married. So that's learning to love. That's learning to love. Again, this is, I'm shotgun, I'm buckshotting, like, across the room here, trying to hit a billion different targets. I just want you to think. I want you to think how, biggest thing for me is, how are you receiving, how are you giving? How are you receiving, how are you giving love? All right? You got it? You got it? Okay, good. Learning to be married. How do we learn to be married? Okay? You learn through the very real opposition that your marriage will have. (laughs) Having a good marriage isn't a thing you simply hope for. It's something you work for, okay? You will communicate for it. You will learn it. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. You learn through the very real opposition your marriage will have. Having a good marriage Having him having a good marriage isn't just a thing, okay? Oh my gosh, we don't have a good marriage. It's not oh we got a great marriage. Thank God. It's like we got lucky. It's like we rolled the dice. Oh, thank God. No, man, you work for this. You work for this. You will communicate for this. You will learn to have it for this. Right? And and you learn by talking. You learn by talking. You learn by constantly communicating. You learn by taking each circumstance and each oppositional understanding or each expectation, which we're going to talk about in circumstance, and really threading the needle with it. So you got to be willing to talk. Remember, we're talking about how, how you learn to be married. You got to learn to talk, and you got to be willing to do the talk. You learn by identifying your wants, needs, and desires in the marriage. Now, there is healthy and unhealthy wants, needs, and desires. I desire us to be drunk every night, (laughs) right? That's not healthy. I know that for a fact because I desired that at one point in the marriage and it just didn't work out. I desire the marriage to foster more love in the community. That's a thing, all right? But I want you to consider your wants, needs, and desires in the marriage. What do you want from your spouse? What do you need from your spouse? What do you desire from your spouse? And let me tell you something. Desire is not a dirty little word. Because when you're in a bed, when you're in the bedroom and you're sexually charged, man, there's some desires in there, right? But you need to talk about those desires as well, because some of those desires can get a little nuts. But you need to identify them, right? Right? You learn by forgiving. You learn by forgiving. You learn to be married by forgiving. The more you forgive your spouse, spouse, the more longevity you will have in your marriage. That's plain Jane. So early on in your marriage, man, I'm suggesting you grab 50 books about forgiveness or you hunker up to spiritual direction and you really start understanding what the, what, what forgiveness as a movement in you, as a practical understanding in you looks like. Ways to keep learning. Keep marrying your spouse. Like you move to the marriage, and I'm not just talking about the day. I'm not just talking about the day you got married. But you keep you you, you keep the commitment alive. You keep reasserting this commitment you have. You serve without expectation. You love without wanting anything in return. 
You stay focused on the health of your spouse, body, mind, and spirit. This is you continuing your commitment in marrying your spouse every day. You celebrate the marriage. And I get it. Celebrate the anniversary. Celebrate the traditional celebrations of a marriage. But more than that, I want you to celebrate as you allow people to know you are a married couple. Did you, did you catch that? You can celebrate your marriage by letting people know that you're married. And again, this is not a banner on the back of your car with like two hands and like a lace thing over it that says, we're married, <laughs> right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the idea that you are committed to one another, committed to one another's well-being, spiritually, mentally, physically, that, that, that marriage has a grip to it and fosters love because it is truly one of the greatest unions that human beings can possibly do with their lives. What are other unions they can do with their lives, JR? I don't know. We'll talk about that later. I'm just saying stuff. Um, allow the marriage importance among your community, your friends, and your kids. Allow it importance. Allow your marriage to have a, like, seriously, man, a reverence to it. Allow it to have such an, it, don't just simply, you know, be married as a, as a, as a construct of, like, you know, um, you know, like it's boring or like, you know, yeah, we're married. You know, listen, d- d- give your marriage a-, a sense of reverence, man, as often as you possibly can. And yes, you're going to hit seasons where that's not necessarily true. So, you know, just be, you know, just be careful with that. Mentorship is huge. Your marriage needs accountability outside the marriage. Do you have any accountability outside your marriage? Do you have mentorship? Do you have marriage accountability? If you don't, I suggest right now turning this podcast off and go and go do it. Kids. We will talk more about kids between me and my wife. We're going to talk a ton about kids because kids is definitely going to be a little uh, piece of the marriage. Even if you don't have them or even if you don't want them, I want you to hear the—because the, 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 I know I have a bunch of couples that don't want kids, and I get you, I feel you, praise the Lord, the whole nine yards, but I want you to hear it anyway. Um, kids. We'll talk more about it. Uh, but I want to tell you something. Some of you think that the children are your marriage, and that's not a thing. That, that, that's not a thing. Kids should, should be an extension of your marriage, not a dominant force. Not a dominant force of your marriage. They should be an extension, not a dominant force, and we're going to talk about that more in another episode. Um, what if one spouse stops learning, JR? What if that happens? Well, unfortunately, that's a, that's a reality, Right? And, and there are going to be seasons where the two of you connect as a way of learning. In other words, you are focused and central and have a reverence for the marriage and a, and a real beauty and awe in the marriage. But there's also going to be times, man, when it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's dog days, man. And go easy and go low. And I really don't want to think as much about the marriage as I, as I need to. And that's just a reality. That's just a reality. One of the other episodes we're going to talk about, about leaving the marriage, and this comes into play, but we're going to talk about that later. Um, but there are seasons and you must be patient with one another. You must be prayer filled and you must have guided support in and around those seasons, which is why I talk about mentorship in your marriage. You need people structurally as you learn to be married around you, because when you hit a season where your spouse isn't as interested in the marriage, that you're going to need 
you're going to need people at the table. And I'm not talking about people to the table that's going to hold everybody's feet to the fire. That's not not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are going to be able to come back and ask you those big questions about how you're receiving and giving love. And or just keep you patient for your spouse to, you know, check in again, if you will. Because I know there's a few of you, man. And I know I work with a few of you whose spouses are just like, you know, just not connected to the marriage right now. And you got to be patient and you got to be prayerful. Jared, can I get a divorce? Well, I mean, listen, we'll talk about that too. And divorce is a thing. It's not that it's not a thing, um, but we'll also talk about that. But my point is I want you to be patient if one of you in marriage is just not as uh, exercisable or exercising the, the, the marriage. But it's why you need strong mentorship. All right, good. Uh, listen, good people. Um, all that stuff is a, is a stuff for you to chew on and to gnash on. If there was, you know, a couple big things in this podcast that I just want you to take away from is is one is that question is how are you receiving and giving love in your marriage? I want you to be able to think about that First Corinthians thirteen verse. I really do share that. Listen, don't just listen to it at the marriage thing. Like, really talk about that between the two of you as much as you possibly can. Hang it on the fridge. Right, hanging on the hanging on the bathroom mirror, maybe get the juices flowing in there. Um, another thing is this accountability or this mentorship in marriage. I, a ton of you I work with don't have any kind of support in in that. And obviously, if you work with me, you've got my support that way. But I'm just saying, like b- beyond a, the spiritual director, you need other folks, man. You do. You need people in your life. Maybe your mom and dad are married sixty years. Oh, but Jared, I don't want to talk about my mom and dad with my marriage. I, I listen. Be vulnerable. Be open. Be willing to learn. Be willing to learn. That that's just another big one. Be willing to learn to be married. And again, I this reverence thing, I can't stress it enough because and we're gonna talk about this next week, but I mean there was a point in my marriage, man, where I did just did not have any reverence for it at all. I just didn't. I just didn't. And you know, we went through some hard times. We went through a stretch. That was difficult, like walking away kind of difficult. And we're still here. And we're still here because the two of us uh, plainly, plainly decided that uh, we're going to learn. We're not going to walk away. We're going to fire up the engines when we need to. We're going to talk about the tough stuff when we have to. Um, We're going to love each other. And loving each other is hard. This is hard. Loving people is difficult. (laughs) That's how you know you're doing it. I encourage you, good people. I really do. I appreciate you checking in. Um, Listen, if you need an extra little uh, in the marriage, you can call me. The number's on the website. I'm jr at jrman.com, jr at jrman.com. I'm a spiritual director, and I'd love to be your spiritual director. I help people change the direction of their lives. Not because I'm a good guy, but because I know sometimes we need change. I love you. I appreciate you coming in next week. Hold on. I'll give you the taste test for next week. Next week again. Ready? You're going to be thrilled. Opposition and oppression and expectations in the marriage. Jer, are you going to tell juicy stories about how jacked up your marriage got? Yes! I swear I'm going to tell you jacked up stories about how jacked up my marriage got. Um, and Die's going to be here, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love you, man. Uh, if you need me, I'm right here. <laughs>